does people plus food service plus conversation equal? The Food Service for Thought podcast. Produced by Forbes Heaver and Wallace and hosted by Carrie Clements and Justin Oliveras, the bi-monthly podcast connects the food service industry through in-depth conversations with chefs, restaurant equipment suppliers, food service establishment owners, and so many others that make up our wonderful industry. If you like food, people, and great conversation, we think you will enjoy the Food Service for Thought podcast. Um, we, we, you know, Shannon, my wife, Carrie, right before I met you, I actually, I joined the board in, I was, um, voted onto the board in July of 2016. And my first MOFSI board meeting was supposed to be December of that year, I think in Atlanta. And in November, my wife, Shannon had two heart attacks in three days. And so I, I couldn't make that meeting. And, um, you know, that was one of the hardest things we've experienced, of course, as a family and Shannon and I. Um, and it was a wickedly hard period of time. I'm not going to lie to anybody and say, oh, yeah, we coasted through it. Are you kidding me? It was brutal. Yeah. But I went into it saying uh, this feels devastating. I don't know what it means for Shannon. I don't know what it means for us or the kids. But we are going to find a way to be closer together coming on the other end of this. I don't know what that looks like, but that's what we're going to do. And that looked like therapy for she and I, it looked like therapy for our daughter who experienced that moment really, really heavy and painfully. It looked like us, um, instead of eating dinner around the dining room table, we ended up eating it in the living room, playing games for about two and a half years. Um, And so that was all... I don't know if that answers your question. You know, it's when I was unemployed, when COVID hit, I was leaving my rep firm, Mm -hmm. Desert Peak. And um, because of that, because the energy that I needed to give there and to my crew here at home, I wasn't able to sustain both anymore. And I went to my partners and I said, you guys, I I don't know. Shannon had come to me and said, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for us for 12 years, but it seems like the business often comes first. And when, when, when do we come first? And, um, it was a, a wonderful question. And I went to my partners a week later or two weeks later, we had a partner's meeting and I said, guys, I don't know what I'm doing next, but I know it can't be this any longer. We've put in a lot of time. It's been wonderful. And, um, I, I just need to move where my energy is and my partners were great, but what we, you know, so I was, we planned like this eight month transition, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then the last day I was going to be there and getting ready to come to Cowmill was March 20th, 2020. And that's when COVID had started kind of the week before. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I'm unemployed and I was unemployed for 10 weeks. Um, and, you know, the, the positivity to me, there's an element of, I could have asked a question that says, man, why does my luck suck so much? Why do I have such crappy timing? Why does, why does this stuff happen to me? Or... And there's times where I do that. Mm. Um, but that moment in time, I thought, how do we make something good of this? Um, like, what's the opportunity here? And you know what the opportunity ended up being? Uh, I got 10 weeks at home with my family. Um, 
I got to start sharing. I had energy and space to share my story with with the industry and offer some tools. And and that's been quite life-giving for me and us. Um, I, I really enjoy getting to relate to my industry friends on a little bit more personal level and get to care for people. So um, I hope that answers your question. I don't know if it does. But. Yeah, it does. The, the idea of uh, always look at the bright side, you know, uh, the, you know, whatever. I'm on the right side of the grass. I, Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, no, ex- exactly that. I think, I think people associate positivity with trying to manifest a bunch of make-believe or fake positive things in your life. And I think the start of positivity can be just the absence of negativity. Right. You you don't have to try to sell yourself that everything is great in your life and everything is perfect, but you can at least stop with some of the the negative self-talk that we all have in our head and just the negative outlook on everything. And kind of if you can slow that down a little bit, then I think you can open up the yourself and your world to just the kind of organic positivity as it happens. And it doesn't come in balloons and champagne popping and everything. It's just sort of little moments and maybe it's stuff you look back on and reflect. But I try to, I try to view that as, you know, you can't fake positivity, but you can slow yourself down from the absence of negativity. Yeah. Great. I love it. Justin. Carrie. I'm thinking of the Grinch where his heart grew two sizes right now, listening to you. <laughs> well, if it's any, if it's any consolation, I still hate everything about everybody. And I don't like kids, even my own. I don't like anything. I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Justin, I think it's a, a beautiful point is um, so often we all have those voices in our head about what we're not or the ways we haven't become enough, or, um, you know, I could give you a million examples of how I'm a crummy dad at times. And, you know, I mean, I've been, I told Shannon recently, like, you know, two middle schoolers, I feel like I'm, I'm in a place as a parent where I always say the wrong thing at the wrong way at the wrong time. And you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I probably do. I think I do. And, um, it, but, and, and I acknowledge them, but there's also a beautiful moment, lots of beautiful moments that I'm learning through with our children and learning how to listen more and learning how, for me, sometimes it's better. I'm learning to, to keep my mouth shut and just be physically present, just kind of sit next to them with our shoulders touching on the couch or snuggling in bed before, you know, all those kind of things um, to be present and acknowledge. So you're right. Half the battle in that is just finding a way to release those negative voices that tell us what we're not or the ways we feel. I like, I like those words. What, what does mindset mean to you? Mindset to me is kind of, it's a part of what we just addressed. To me, mindset is in any moment I'm given, um, usually it's the question I ask myself to prepare me for what's next. So in a moment of, so let's take that COVID happens, I'm unemployed. I don't know, you know, I don't know where paychecks are coming from and, you know, I don't know what's next. Um, the, I want to create a mindset that fuels some level of health, growth, connection. And if I was asking myself, gosh, why does this crap always happen to me? The question I'm asking inherently demands an answer that's negative. Why does, why do mm-hmm. hard moments always happen to me, mm-hmm. right? Or what's wrong with me? The answers we get are almost always in line with the questions we ask. 
And so in moments of good or in challenge, if I ask myself, what can I, even a moment of that feels like failure, right? Something didn't work out or I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a great dad with kids or I don't, you know, I, maybe I snap at someone at work, whatever those moments are, all these different things. Um, instead of why am I such a, an idiot or such, whatever, what can I learn from here? Um, you know, what can an apology bring or, um, what can, what's the opportunity in this moment of pain in this moment of challenge? If, if, you know, you talked about earlier people that might've been carrying things for years that they don't know what to say, um, it, it can feel scary to acknowledge that, but, um, what's the opportunity to connect with others by me being vulnerable? Um, so does that make sense? It's, it's the question, it's question I ask yeah. often. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. Thank you. That's helpful to me. So looky there. It it is um I don't have to have the answer, but what what kind of question was like my my for me personally, my default question is what can I learn? You know, Love just it. what can I learn? Um sometimes I learned that the only thing that will help is eating a whole shareable bag of peanut M&Ms by myself. <laughs> uh, and and sometimes it's texting a friend. I am in no mood to talk. Text me something funny. There's a, there's a great phrase. I don't know where I learned it years ago, but it's a part of kind of the, what we say in the food service power plan. Network. You always find what you're looking for. Um, we try to look for the good. Yeah. If you're looking, if you're looking for um, to beat yourself up, you can beat yourself up. Um, you can, I can find plenty of ways that I failed in, in, and, uh, and justified in that. But if I'm looking for, like you said, what can I learn? What's the opportunity? How can I grow? How can I connect? That's what you'll find because that's what you're looking for. Justin, what does mindset mean to you? Uh, I don't know. I'm just ready for a bourbon. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're, you're Jason, your point about, um, kind of what do I need to ask myself to get, to get this figured out or um, to have a better understanding. I think that is, is critical and looking at it from, this is going to be me talking on both sides of my mouth, but looking at it from an analytical perspective, but not from an analyzing perspective. So you can have analysis paralysis and get yourself into anxiety and doing all that by overanalyzing everything. But if you look at it from an analytical way, maybe the way a business would approach something or from a more data-driven. Uh, so for example, one thing I, I have struggled with my weight for since the beginning of time. Um, and it's very easy for me to slip into negative self-talk and uh, over over a pizza by myself and then further negative self-talk and, and whatever, right? But if you step back and look at it from like, well, you consume this many calories and you could have gone for a walk or could have worked out. So maybe if you did the other one next time. So I think if you if you are okay with asking those kinds of questions, I think it kind of focuses you on looking for the right answers to your point, Jason, as opposed to just sort of wallowing in the in the the self negative stuff about it and and analysis paralysis and everything. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a lot of words, word salad, little croutons on top. It does make sense. I think it takes the judgment out of it. Um, there you go. Yes. You just said it in three words and I said it in 4,000. <laughs> Good on you. I appreciate efficiency. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's judgment and shame are things that keep us, you know, I talked about, I, as opposed to my 20s, now I've got many more tools. 
to get me out of those moments of down. And Justin, I have the same voices in my head, just so you know. We all do. We all we have all those, those voices. And um, so if we can release the judgment and someone once said, you know, approach it with curiosity, mm-hmm. um, you know, there you go. Uh, judgment, it, it just gets us stuck. And when I judge myself, um, I stay there a lot longer than when I'm curious about why I chose option A over option B or, or whatever that is. And being willing to know that we're learning in both. There's, you know, something I learned from Canfield a long time ago. There's, there's feedback, right? We, we often rely on, rely on feedback. You know, so we ate the pizza. How do we feel about ourselves? Um, and there's, there's positive feedback and there's negative feedback. There's things we do and we get celebrated or, you know, you, you take the walk instead and you feel confident, you know, if that's, if that's for you and there's negative feedback, I don't get the sale. I might feel down, but we can learn from both. Mm -hmm. And the idea of all those feedback is to move forward and to grow. And if we can stop taking the negative feedback, the moments of maybe pain or frustration, or we beat ourselves up and um, say, okay, and I can learn from this. And then we move forward as opposed to staying there. It, It all can be helpful to a degree, as long as we don't stay there too long. Well, and, and Carrie, I think you have great perspective on a lot of stuff with, and I don't think I'm be- betraying any confidences here. And if I am, well, too bad. <laughs> um, but you've 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 mentioned before that you do some journaling, so I'd be curious to know how how you think maybe that plays a role in kind of navigating through this. I I have so many journals, so so many journals. If if you're not doing journaling, it will never hurt. It will never hurt to journal. Justin, I, I may or may not have shared, but you know, there's quite a bit of childhood trauma for that in, in me and my little sister's lives. And so oftentimes, um, I've heard this from so many different people to, to think about yourself as a young, you know, in that trauma and then write to that child. It's like shuffling the deck. It just puts things in order for me. And more times than not, I have the answer or that's my prompt for the next day. I have a question, Jason, for you with going along with that. So I, I think I can infer that if someone like Carrie or either, any of us are going to be journaling or writing, you're sort of present, you're there, you're with your thoughts. That's what you're focused on. Mm-hmm. There's not much of that going around these days with our phones being wired to our faces and social media. And I think part of burnout can be uh, attributed to literally just you are always on, there is always a screen in front of you, there is always information in your face, you are always consuming some type of content. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that or if you've had previous conversations about how there needs to be a balance of that and how that can potentially affect mental health and just all of that, if, if that sort of makes sense what I'm kind of asking. Yeah. Holy smokes. I, and I deal with that. It can be easy to be on screens all the time, you know, whether it's email or I'm on the road and it's phone and you can, you know, I got into a routine where at night I was on Zillow. I love looking at houses, right? Like before bed, (laughs) you should just go back to reading books before bed, you know, and look at this one in Vancouver, 9.7 million. I'd I'd buy it for eight. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I know. Um, you know, that was like my, like my just kind of chill time, I guess. I don't know what it was, but um, I am a huge, I'd say all the time, like I can't, like I'll know I've made it when I can, uh, when I graduate to a flip phone again. Oh um, gosh, bring back the flip phone, man. Because it's, it's, it's always there. I've read studies about how even in, like if, if I'm working in here on something on, let's say something not work, but, 
or even work, but, and my phone is in the room, I am less focused. Mm -hmm. I am less present just by having a phone in the room and turned on it, it. No music needs to be playing. I'm not looking at it. It can be on my desk like it is right now. And so there's levels of simply moving it out or turning it off. Just turn off your phone for periods of time. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing that I have found is helpful that I do more and more is really scheduling blocks of time. There's this idea of block scheduling where in your computer, mm -hmm. so, you know, someone said once, if it's not on the schedule, then it's not really happening. Then you don't really mean it or want it. So, yeah. you know, if, if Justin, let's say it's journaling for you, or let's say it's going for a walk or let's say hang with the kids, whatever that is. If you put that in your calendar from three to four and you're saying, this is, this is what I'm doing and I'm not checking emails and I'm not looking at whatever thing on my phone or I'm not. I, for me, that, that tangible thing in my schedule frees me up just kind of in my headspace to say, I'm only dedicating this hour to this. Um, and you can figure out ahead of time what your priorities are, you know? So, okay, here's what matters to me today. It's a date with my kiddo. You know, we're going to go to drive with the Jeep top off or whatever. That's how Haley and I kind of connect oftentimes. We blast music and we just take the front off the Jeep. Or, um, you, you know, uh, or Liam and I are going to run or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to run or I'm going to read a book right now. I'm reading Tipping Point. By oh, great book. Whatever those great things book. are. Oh, gosh. Amazing. Yep. And so putting it in the calendar helps me feel like it's real and um, prevents me from getting bombarded by a lot of other things. And then putting I put my phone in airplane mode a lot mm. um, when I'm not on it just because so I know nothing can get to me. Right now it's on airplane mode. Or if I'm working on a project for work and I've dedicated an hour and 15 to it, put my phone on airplane mode. I can call people back right. when it's done, but that way I can be present and focused in whatever it is I'm doing. If you if you read a lot of different, uh, whatever, time management, blah, 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 you know, different, different things. I think managing your energy, knowing when your energy is high is is good how many people don't even yep. ask themselves what do they want what do i want 100 percent. yep that's such a great point in question I, and i'll say two things to that there's a phrase i learned years ago it was by, by a guy named brennan he passed away but brennan manning and um he said don't should on yourself mm -hmm. anytime you are shooting on yourself you are creating a level of resistance um, by just saying it should, I, I should be doing this. I should be doing, you're automatically going to resist it a little bit. Um, and so to your point, Justin, like I, I learned a while ago, like whatever that is, those elements of health or exercise in this case, um, do things that create life in me. It, it's, if I'm going to do something that's going to create some level of stress, like breathing hard or, you know, working muscles or whatever that is in a version of exercise, do it in a way that I enjoy or, you know, or, or create enjoyment in it. So like when I run, running became a thing for me in COVID and that kind of became one of my deals. So I listen to a podcast when I'm running or a like awesome playlist that my daughter made for me or whatever it is. So you can, I kind of increase the joy. I don't inherently love running, but, uh, but I love what happens after mm -hmm. the fact. And, and I love what I can learn or listen to or thoughts I can create when I'm doing it. You know, the second thing you said is why don't we ask what we want? There's this, um, I think, I think that is one of the most underused questions in, in all of humanity and one of the most important. And, you know, there's this in the, in the food service power plant stuff we do, there's this, sometimes when I speak, I went and gave this talk at a buying group and it was about um, what do you want to create? The, the whole idea was there's a, um, we lose energy, right? People are tired. There's a level of exhaustion and, and we lose energy in times where we 
feel powerless um, in the world we're in. We don't feel like we can change what we're what's happening to us. Um, and there's we also lose energy when we don't have a compelling future version of ourselves mm. that we're working towards. I, I forget who I learned that from. It might have been Brendan Burchard or Tony Robbins or Canfield. But and I think this is huge. Our energy today is often tied to when I look in the future, an exciting version of me that I'm working towards. If if when I look three years into the future, I don't like what I see in my current life. It's really hard for me to generate energy now to create something that three years from now I think is going to suck. Yeah. And so it's like, what do you want to make? Get something that excites you, that gives you some level of hope. And that creates energy today to start moving in that direction. The times when I didn't take some of the steps of health that I needed to were the times that I couldn't see a version of me I was excited about, a happy version of me. When all I, that's part of the problem with depression. Mm -hmm. You can't see light at the end of the tunnel. All you can see is darkness. And it's hard to get the energy to do the work you want, you need to do right now if all you see is darkness. And so depression is one of the hardest things where where we tell people all the time, just keep moving, even if you can't Mm -hmm. see it. And then when I got to a place of relative health, when I was okay, and I could dream, one of the things that changed my life, um, I read this book, I was in a place of okayness. And I read this book, Success Principles. I won it at a white elephant gift Christmas party. You guys saw that mm-hmm. in the talk. Yep. And, and it said, create a vision statement for your life. And this was something I had never done. And I dreamed as big as I possible. Okay. I dreamed of me waking up happy, kind of on my own. I dreamt of a home. Okay. We, I had grown up with my mom in my, my folks had split when I was young and, and lots of great reasons for that. And they both did it wonderfully, the divorce process and both loved me really well, but it was hard as a kid. And my sister and I lived with my mom in a third floor teeny apartment in a senior citizen community from the time of seven till I graduated high school. And I never believed I, I believed I would be poor forever. Like I just, I like, you know, they say broke is not having money. Poor is believing you can't. Mm -hmm. And I was poor. I didn't believe I would ever own a home with a yard. I didn't think that was possible for me. And at the time when I dreamt this, Shannon and I lived in a duplex that we'd bought in an affordable housing program. And so I dreamt of a home and I went big. It had a deck and it had a backyard and it overlooked, let me get cry again. It overlooked open space, right? I live outside of Boulder and I could see the mountains and I dreamt it. And, and then there was an office, like there was a whole extra room <laughs> for an office in this house. And then in the bedroom, there was actually a little, like I dreamt of a nook, like a reading area where we could have a little couch. I love reading. And so I could just wake up in the morning and put on a robe. Not that I ever put on a robe, but I could in the street <laughs> and I could go sit on this couch and read. And um, this was, uh, and I also dreamt of, I was like, I, I'd like to, I'm perfectly fine with anyone being on any mental health meds they need. There's times right now where I consider, I wonder if I should be on anti-anxiety meds again. Um, but, but I was like, I wonder if I could wake up without them. I'd been on them for so long and there's side effects to all these mm-hmm. things that aren't always fun. Right. And I was like, I wonder if I could not have those side effects. So that was January, 2009 in July of 2009, probably around July 11th, I think was the last day I'd taken a medicine for my mental health. We, my psychiatrist and I worked, weaned ourselves, my, my, me off for about six months. And, um, and then August 18th of that year, you guys, we bought that house. <laughs> we walked into that house in like June. We walk in 
And within 30 seconds, uh, I start crying and Shannon looks at me and starts crying. And she goes, Jason, this is the house that you dreamed up. This is the house that you said you wanted. Wow. Oh my gosh. And it was, and we had to like beg, borrow and steal to make it happen. Right. Like, like when we had the choice, Haley was really young and it was like, do I pay for heat or buy a $30 blanket? We bought the blanket. <laughs> We're like, we'll stay cold and just get more blankets. We can get them from, you know, mother-in-law. Um, but when I saw that happen and it blew me away and it created an energy to create those things. And I started dreaming in all areas of life who I could be as a dad. I mean, that those 10 years of depression had me feeling weak. I didn't believe strength was possible in me or I could ever be strong for anyone because I woke up most days crying. So it was like for me to be, get to be a, a strength for other people, um, for my spouse, my wife, Shannon, or for the kids, it wasn't something that was possible. And I started dreaming of what that could look like. And I'm certainly, uh, you know, I'm, I have plenty of falls, but generally I feel like I get to be, a strong human for the people in my world. Um, and whatever I'm walking through or working through in, in levels of health. So, um, so anyway, in this, when I, when I speak at times, one of the things I love mental health is an aspect that we talk about, but on the other end is this area of growth and of generating energy and of what does it look like to be alive and to dream and all this kind of stuff. And the first, there's this food service power plant framework where I said, you know, like creating energy in our lives and success is a lot like when a chef makes a meal. Um, the first step a chef has to do is they've got to decide what they're going to make. And for us, it's all about vision. What do we want, Carrie? That was your question. What do I want? Do I want to be healthy? Do I want a house with a reading area off the room? Whatever it is. Um, and I think that's the foundation. There's a whole bunch of other steps, but but that's the pillar. Food service, uh, power yes. plant. And I, I know it's brand new, but it's it's taken such a hold over everybody when you're having conversations, just the, the people that are making comments that you get to watch on the, uh, on the live record. Well, even, I mean, it shows up in the, the comments as well, but just to watch it and see who's on. And, and yeah. so talk about how that came to be. Um, it came to be because when I was that last day of work, March 20th, 2020, I was leaving mm -hmm. my firm, was supposed to be vacationing with family for a couple of weeks. And then I was going to go work at Cowmill. And then of course COVID happened and, and that all got the, so that first night I realized we weren't going to go on vacation. I was going to be home and I'm not great at just sitting and like watching television or what, I, I don't know why I've got to be creating something or, and, or woodworking or whatever my hobbies are. And so I thought to myself, and I'd had all these conversations with industry friends in the general expression was anxiety and fear is what mm. people were conveying, right? It's a scary time when none of us have any idea what's coming next. And I thought, well, I've built up all these tools over the years that I had to build up to get through my pain um, and, and my fear. And so I thought maybe I'll just start offering them as a way to give, as a way to give back. There's a phrase I learned years ago that says, oftentimes, um, our greatest passions or contributions are born of the place of our greatest mm, pain. For sure. I like that. And our greatest contributions and passions are born of the place of our greatest pain. And it, it makes sense. If you think of it, think about like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the, the mentors, I don't know what the word is. Um, Sponsor. Sponsors, mm -hmm. I think. The sponsors in AA are people 
who had been alcoholics at one point in their lives. And they had yep. to work through that greatest pain. And now it's a place that they can serve. Parents who serve in you know, cancer wards at hospitals oftentimes had kids that experienced that, right? Or they've experienced some thing with cancer that was really powerful in their life. So they want to give back to that community because they know what it feels like. Marcus Calvary, who went through cancer, who's with Castings, he was the DSR of the year this year. He, he dialogues with lots of different people experiencing cancer because he walked through that pain. He knows how hard that is. And for me, it was fear. So when all of a sudden people were afraid, I was like, well, I've got this whole like tool shed of stuff. Maybe I'll just start offering it to change, give people a different perspective or some happy chemicals to change them from super stressed into maybe a little hopeful. And um, so that's how the the initial, I just put out videos. I like recorded myself on a, on a computer. I'd never done that before and just started putting them on kind of a, emailing them to customers. So that began the positive mindset tools. And then not long after that, I was talking to a friend who was in a high rise in Chicago and she was all alone. And she's like, I can't go see my parents. I, I can't go to any industry things. I'm all alone. Even walking on the sidewalk at that point in time, people would walk away from each other. You know, like we're afraid who's got the plague and yeah. I'm going to get it from them, you know, or whatever. And she's like, I'm so alone. And so I thought, how do we create community in a time when we can't get together? And that's how the Facebook group started. So we have a Facebook group called the Food Service Power Play Number. We have about 2,100 members in it. And it was a way for us to kind of come together there and support each other and encourage and throw some positive mindset tools on there and a way to create a sense that I'm not alone. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the three words tied to the food service power plant network on our website are connect, inspire, and grow or inspire, connect, and grow. I forget which direction. Uh, the grow was the positive mindset tools. The connect was the, the Facebook group and doing that. And then inspire is, I'm a huge believer that the greatest inspiration comes from story that um that i can tell you carrie in your pain all day long you got this mm. carrie justin you can uh you can get outside and work out you can do it but until we see someone who's lived it and who tells the story about how it changed them in some profound way it's not as meaningful story is the great motivator and so we start inviting leaders on and to tell their story and part of the deal is they tell the hard parts mm -hmm. of their story and the doubt and their creativity and the habits and the disciplines and all these things, because the hope was that if they're willing to be honest about their story and anyone watching who's struggling says, wow, they went through something hard and here's the things they tried to get out of it. Maybe if I try those, then, then I can get through my hard stuff. And so, um, that was, that's why we tell those stories and those, we do them almost every Monday night. We do them live, which creates incredible anxiety in me because <laughs> you never know when the Wi-Fi is going to go down. So we do these conversations live so that everyone watching can know this is happening right now. There might be 10, 20, 50 other people watching right now along with you. You're not alone. And people commenting in real time. So you can see their comments and we answer their questions so that anyone watching who might feel alone might feel a little bit more connected. Um, so that's, that's how it all came to be. So here's my question to you, though. On a personal level, on a personal level, what is success going to feel like? Yeah, I, I already live that. It's, um, it's not being afraid to be honest about where I was. At one point, I was afraid to tell my story, mm -hmm. thinking I would be written off. Well, now I've, now I've shared my story and what I went through. And not, not only getting emotional again, you know, not only did people not kick me out of the industry or 
you know, um, say I shouldn't have shared that or we don't talk about stuff like that at work, you know. Um, the opposite happened where I now people stop me in conferences and they share things with me about their life and it's a level of freedom for them. And it's, I feel grateful to know, to, to get to be a place of safety for people. And I feel grateful to get to be honest with my experience and hopefully in doing so remove that level of shame in them of that they've been holding, right. Keeping it a secret so -hmm, that they might mm -hmm. move forward. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I get to experience the success of that right, right now. It's, God, it's really not a future that's, thing. That's who gets to do that. And we all can, we all can. This might sound silly or cheesy. Years ago, I was at a conference. I, you know, that book success principles was really profound in my life. Jack Canfield's work. And I got to know his community and I went to a few of his conferences and I volunteered at them. And it, at the first conference I went to was the summer of 2016. Um, and maybe, no, maybe it was 2015, 2015. And they have you do this thing, this passion thing where like, what are you passionate about? And what do you love to help figure out like kind of who you want to be, Kiri? Like you said, like, what do we want? And we go through this whole exercise. And at the end of it, I concluded, okay, if I could find a way in my career to, um, to just be a really good friend, like if I could build a career being a really good friend, that's probably my sweet spot. <laughs> and I felt like such a goober. I was like beating myself up. Like, Jason, this isn't the real world. Hmm. Like you don't, you're, 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 I, I was really shaming myself for coming to that conclusion. Um, and, and here we are seven years later. And I will tell you that, I mean, I have a, I have a, I work at Cowmill, I travel, I do shows and I work on deals and I sell product and it's all life-giving to me. But the bigger picture for me, I feel like I get to live out that thing I dreamt in 2015. I kind of feel like I just get to be a good friend to a lot of people. And that, that's a, that's a role I get to have in the industry. So that thing I wanted, you know, it, I, I kind of feel like I get to live it. Congratulations. Thanks. Yes. And in case either of you want to know what success looks like for me, it's uh, standing a little closer to that glass of bourbon <laughs> in the next couple of minutes. So, well, we got to go. Huh? We gotta, uh, we no, no, go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we want to make sure that people can um, can access you, can understand where to find you, your information, your groups, all that. So before we get out of here, can you share what's the best way for people to be able to connect with you, your group, all that good stuff? Thanks for asking. The, the So certainly you can come find me on LinkedIn, Jason Wange, W-A-N-G-E, or the fspowerplant.com, um, fspowerplant.com, which is where you can actually click a link and connect to the Facebook mm -hmm. group if you'd like, um, where you can see all of the conversations are there. There's a bunch of resources on there, both from a mental health side, but also a personal development side in terms of positive mindset tools. I've got different coaches on there that I've worked with in the past who I like and respect that if people want to work with someone, you can go work with some of these folks. Um, if I, I really enjoy uh, getting to speak in, you know, in the industry and, and offer positive mindset tools to bring teams together, help create energy. If it's a mental health conversation that, you know, more and more of those conversations come up. I love getting to do that in the industry to go support people in that way. So yeah, probably fspowerplant.com. Or if you're just on Facebook, you can go search for food service power plant network and then you click to join. I think it asks a question like, you know, what do you hope to get out of this? And, um, and then we'll welcome you in. So that's and on YouTube. are a lot of the best ways. On YouTube, yeah. YouTube, yeah. All of the conversations are on YouTube yeah. as well. Um, so 
I, I'm not a, like I don't know how to use YouTube very well, other than that's where we put them all. <laughs> um, but you can certainly you can certainly subscribe to the Bootser with Power Plant page, I think it is, or something on there. Um, and then it really it all kind of comes together in that fspowerplant.com. Thank you for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And a big shout out to Forbes, Heaver, and Wallace and everyone on the team for producing the first ever Food Service Rep Driven podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, and go eat out at your local restaurant or grab some takeout or delivery, even if you are just in the mood for some apps or dessert. Every bite helps.